0: Good day, everyone. Thank you for joining us. If it's your right, if you're live right now with a live stream, great to have you here. If it's some other day of the week, that's fine as well. It's just good to have you joining us. Uh, the teaching, the teachings. Why do we do the teachings? It's always a good question to ask. Why do we do the things we do? Um, the teachings god's word does speak to us like scripture speaks to us it's alive and so we take a look at it and we ask god what is it you're saying to us what does this mean for us in 2021 uh in the in what we're what we're going through right now and that's every year it's like that right it's what how is your word relevant to us today that's why we do a little bit of teaching. As far as staying focused, yes, whatever it takes for you to stay focused. For some people to stay focused, they need to like be doodling, and for some people playing with a squishy toy or something like that. Um, But you find whatever, whatever it is you need to do to stay focused here. So Let's let's jump in here. Uh, as Tab mentioned there, at the end of February, we did a series called Refocus. And that was just a time that we really sensed, Tab and I really sensed the Lord speaking to us about the Cambridge Vineyard. And really what it was, it was a search of our individual hearts. And one of the things the Lord really pointed out to us as foundational for us, for us as a, as a church, but primarily also for each individual who are, fo- individuals who are following Jesus, Is the whole thing with intimacy with Jesus? The whole thing of intimacy, and from that, the three areas that since the Lord seemed to address was uh, transformation, uh, being rooted in Jesus, and being reproductive. And we're going to unpack that over time. And the reason we're unpacking it is because we touched those three areas in one teaching and it was like just doing a quick flyover. And so we we need to go down into that a little more. And uh, so we're we're, going to do that over the next few weeks. Um, And I just want to sort of uh, recalibrate us, reminding us that two weeks ago we celebrated Easter and Easter, the resurrection, isn't just a one-time event that took place and we remember it once a year. Um, do we do that to be reminded, but we have to be reminded that we are resurrection people, meaning that's where we live. That's where our heads are at. That's what we think. We see life from a perspective of resurrection. And, uh, so this whole series is called Alive to You. That's how we want to live before Jesus, alive to him. That's what we want to do. And so how we're going to start this is I, I want to play a short video, um, It's an interview with Malcolm Gite. If you've never, if you don't know who that is, it's a, he's a British guy uh, who's an Anglican priest and a poet and very witty. And so he's going to launch us into this whole thing of transformation. Would, would, who would, would, would Thomas drink? Whiskey
1: or something else? Well, I don't know. I don't think Thomas would take somebody else's word for whether whiskey was good. The guy who says, unless I can put my fingers there and touch those wounds, is going to say, unless you uncork that bottle and pour out a bit for me, I'm not going to believe you, brother. You know? So, uh, I think he's a very much try-it-and-taste-and-see kind of guy. Do you think so. it
0: would
1: be fun to be around? Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought that's
0: the doubter. The guy yeah,
1: that, uh, that well, in one of my poems, I call him, I just, I say, I say, Courageous master of the awkward question, you know. Doubting Thomas, father of my faith, you put your finger on the nub of things, you know. We cannot love some disembodied wraith. Flesh and blood must be our king and kings, you know.
0: What is it about, you say father of your faith, what is it about Thomas's story that stirred your imagination?
1: Well, first of all, I find it very convincing that there was a skeptic in the midst. You know, I think if this was a faked account, of some guys in a committee trying to cook up a religion later. There's certain people they would have ironed out of the story. Thomas is one and Mary Magdalene is another. And I find both of them in different ways playing really key roles in the entire set of resurrection narratives. That doesn't look fake to me. I really love, and it seems to me like totally in keeping that when he's saying that when he wasn't there for the first appearance. So like Jesus was there, Thomas was not there. Then the next thing, he's talking with the guys and they all think Jesus is not there, but Thomas is. And he goes, I need to touch the wounds. Then the next scene, Jesus is there and says, come on, Thomas, touch the wounds. And they should all be going, oh, wait a minute. So Jesus was there that time we thought he wasn't there. So like, who's there and who isn't? There's an incredible thing going on there. But better still, I think it's absolutely typical of Jesus that he would both love And kind of tease Thomas enough to do that and to say. And then that double blessing, you know, blessed, good, well done, you believe. More blessed are those who believe without having seen. So like Jesus is already saying, you know, Thomas, this whole thing we've just done, you needed to do it, I'm glad to do it, but we were doing this for somebody else. And I am that somebody else. You know, I recognize that 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 scene was played out for me. Well, because I'm somebody who has not seen and yet believes. And I believe partly because I just see this extraordinary and unlikely collection of people, Peter and Thomas and James and John and Mary. I don't see any other scenario except the compelling presence of Jesus and the utterly unexpected and terrifying event of the resurrection as being the only thing that would hold such a bunch of people together. You know, I don't see—I don't see them as people who are living. You know, to use an American term, they're not exactly in the same postcode area with each other, are they?
0: Yes, Malcolm Geit, he is a funny guy. Good poet. Very good poet, though. Anyway, so he's launching us, and we're going to jump right into Romans 11 as it flows into Romans 12. And what you have here in the book of Romans, where we, where Paul is going in Romans 11 is he's talking to the, the, the Christians in Rome, many of them were non-Jewish Christians. Uh, or as Scripture calls them, Gentiles, and Paul was talking to them, to calling them not to think of themselves as so special because God's mercy has been so generously poured out on them. And, it, and Paul explains it's been poured out because the Jewish though the Jewish people have rejected the good news, and so it feels like it's like my my blessing is being directed towards you because I love all people. And the Jewish people feel like it's, it's like a being cut off. But Paul warns them, hey, look at If you stop trusting me, the same thing's going to happen to you. And Paul says, at the same what you're seeing here, all at once you're seeing God's severity in one hand. But on the, the second hand, you're seeing God's kindness. And he says, I know this is hard for you to understand in all this stuff. And then Paul launches into right into here where Paul launches in, uh, this is starting in verse 33. Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? And that's Paul's quoting from Isaiah. And then Paul quotes from Job. And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Wow. Is there more there to it? Yes. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. And I hope you caught what Paul just said, that he says it's impossible. That word impossible means it cannot be done to understand God's decisions and ways. You can't do it. In other words, study all you want about God, and you're never going to fully understand who God is or how God works, how God operates. It's beyond our understanding at times. And it's not so much as I, as I like to say, it's not about me figuring God out. Rather, instead, I let God figure me out. I let God study my life and speak into me. And that's where transformation must begin right there. Going back to that video on when Malcolm spoke about Thomas, Thomas was in a place where he couldn't figure out what was going on. And it didn't matter that the other disciples had told him, hey, we saw Jesus. Thomas didn't buy it, and Thomas basically was saying to Jesus, "I need you. If if that's you, I need you to show me." Thomas needed help. Uh, You need to show me, God. I need to have what Thomas was saying was I need to have my mind transformed because I don't get it. And Jesus did it. Jesus did just that. And so now in Romans here, Paul lays out where to begin in this transformation how does it take place how does this how does this happen so before we go there though i do want to make one comment and it's this this faith journey that we are on is just that it is pure faith it starts and ends with faith and that includes The whole process of transformation that is going on within me. And yes, the transformation is ongoing. I haven't gotten there. No one has gotten there yet. Fully transformed. But for faith to exist, I have to become an active participant. I have to lean in. That's how faith actually happens. Remember what Jesus said, Thomas, touch my wounds. Thomas touched. There was this action of faith that took place on Thomas's part. It was, it was both that took place. Before I became a follower, God's love was directed towards me. It was God already loved me. But I had to turn and receive that love. Right? I had to engage in it. I had to entrust my life to God. I had to become a follower of the Jesus way. It's that active participation. You look at some of the miracles, the feeding of the 5,000 people. Jesus fed five, over 5,000 people with just a little bit of lunch. But somebody gave that lunch, right? There was that active participation. The woman who was uh, bleeding, who was had been bleeding for 12 years, Jesus did heal her, but that woman pursued Jesus and touched him. There's that active participation. And furthermore, Jesus says, he's quoted in, in a couple of the Gospels, that I only do what I see the Father doing. He sees the Father working, he leans in and joins the Father in that. It's active participation all the way, and that's true too with our transformation. So where does Paul start with all of this? What is the process? Is it three easy steps? I'll give you a hint. No, it's not three easy steps. But number one is, we start with, I don't know it all. That's where we start. Remember Paul's words. How impossible it is for me, for us, to understand his decisions and his ways. And Paul includes himself in that. He knows it's impossible to fully understand God and God's ways. Look at Job, the book of Job is about this catastrophe comes into Job's life and family, and Job sits with, you know, sick and destitute with his friends, and they try to, theological friends, and Job is very theological as well, but they try to, they, they banter back and forth about why God would be allowing this to happen, back and forth, figuring out, well, I must have sinned, well, I didn't sin, and all this stuff, and why is this happening? Trying to figure out who God is, for thirty-eight chapters, <laughs> and then, and then third, chapter thirty-nine, God comes knocking and goes, <clears throat> "Job, man up! I got questions for you, and you're going to answer them." And for four chapters, God throws questions at Job, and Job can't answer. And it's in forty-two, chapter forty-two, near the right at the end of Job, where Job goes, "I speak of things I have no knowledge of." And that's where God blesses them, right there. As soon as Job goes, I speak of things I have no knowledge of. God blesses them and God says, you know what? Go pray for your friends. Because <laughs> they, need, they need prayer ministry as well. It all begins. And so how does all this begin coming to this point? It's this. It's humility. <laughs> humility is so key. It's so key. But that's where Job got to. And that's what Paul is speaking about. We come to this with humility. So that's the first thing. I don't know it all. Second thing, Paul points out is I die. And that's one of the hardest things, right? It's one of the hardest things. But remember what Paul's words were I plead with you. And you can put your name in there. It could be like Paul saying, I plead with you, Scott. to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. How? To just die. (laughs) And it's so hard, so painful, because everything in us does not want to die. We just don't want to go there. But what is, it, what is it we're called to? I die to my thinking. And when I say that, I mean I die to this unconscious belief that the way I see the world, the way I see God, the way I see other people is the correct way. And everyone should see the world in exactly the same way as I do. Because if everybody did, this would be such a happier place to live in. Right? That's sort of, the, sort of the thing. But it's not that I die to thinking itself. We're not, we're not being called to that. It's just rather how I see things as being the only way. That's what I die to. And one way of dying, Paul states, is here where he says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. And I am shaped by so many things things that have shaped my life into the person that I am and how I see things. Um, Where I was born, the color I was born, that's a fact by the way. Um, shaped by my parents, whether how much my parents loved me or how, whether I was abused at home, things like that that take place. I, I, I've been impacted by friends I've had, the friends I've chosen, uh, teachers, coaches, uh, even my personality plays into how I see the world and how I see everyone else. It's all those things play into it, right? And then on top of that, you have the systems that operate in our world. Uh, Take the entertainment industry, huge influence on how we see things. Uh, The political system, huge influence on how we approach things. Uh, The literature, our education system. And then let's not forget social media, huge influence on how we see things. It shapes us, it shapes our our view of things, our perspective. And Paul tells us um, to stop because... Basically, Paul is saying, look, the world hasn't figured it out yet. <laughs> and, and, and still to this day, in 2021, the world hasn't figured out how do we get along with each other. It is difficult. It is challenging. We don't know. And pa- that's why Paul says, don't copy their behaviors and their customs. Break away from that. And, that, and how that happens, I have to die. And that's not, and that's hard, right? Because again, everything in me doesn't want to die. I don't want to die, right? And again, that comes down to humility. It, it, that's what it takes. And listen, like every day I have to die again because every day there's part of me that wants to rise up and think my way and do things my way. And that's... I, have to die. That's number two. Number three, let God do the transforming, <laughs> right? Um, we don't do such a good job at it, but it's not, that's not the reason. It's you let God transform our minds. It's as Paul writes, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think right then you will learn to know god's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect and it makes sense it's hard to know what god's will is for my life when i i'm determined that i'm going i know what is right right when i there's this battle of the mind so to speak And that whole word transform. Transform simply means to change. It's carrying across how I see things, right? It's the shape of my mind, how, how I look at things. It's this transformation that takes place in the mind. That's what Paul calls us to. And God does that in many ways. A classic example of that And it's really brilliant, but we don't catch it all the time. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, Luke records Jesus and teaching the parable, uh, what we call the Good Samaritan. I would call it just being a neighbor, what it means to be a neighbor. And we, we know the story But the prelude to the story is so critical. Because in that prelude in Luke chapter 10, um, this is what Luke records here. He says, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replies, what does the law of Moses say And then Jesus asked this question, which is pivotal. How do you read it? What Jesus has done there, Jesus has honored the religious expert and said, I know you may see things differently than I do. How do you read this? How do you do it? Because you see, we all read things differently from depending on how we've, again, how we've been shaped. And Jesus was honoring the man, was him that respect. It's a great teaching tool to learn, to listen, to ask people when we're in dialogue, discussion, especially when it's when we don't necessarily see eye to eye on the same subject, to ask that question, how do you read it? And to listen. And what you see, the man explains how he reads it, wants to have a clarification on who exactly is my neighbor Trying to play with the words there. And Jesus simply tells a story. And what you see at the very end of it, Jesus asked the man, he says, so who was the neighbor? And the expert says, it was the man who showed mercy. And Jesus said, you're right. Go do likewise. What happened with that religious expert is a transformation had taken place. had learned God had spoken to and that's that's a classic example and you see that many times throughout scripture I just want to share with you right now just for me the last few years I one of the things I've wanted I've been praying and pray almost several times a week is Lord I want to understand before I'm understood teach me how to listen because it's so hard to just listen to people and listen to their stories. And one area where this has been very impactful for me is on the whole area, which is a hot topic right now, but on the whole area of racism. It has been a learning process for me. Because, to be honest with you, I have I have never thought of myself as having any inclination towards Either my attitudes or my actions, even falling even remotely close to being, to being having racist attitudes or that. But when I started praying this, and you hear all the things that boil up, that come up to the surface in our culture, I found myself saying, maybe I really don't understand. And asking the question, is it possible that maybe I have some racist attitudes within myself that I'm not even aware of? Is that possible? And so I pray, I've asked God, God, show me, just show me if there is anything in my life at all. And as I began to to listen to people, as I began to do a lot of reading watching maybe videos or even some, some movies that have tried to portray or explain, I've, and I've asked tough questions, and I've, and I've pondered and I've thought. I have come to the conclusion that, much like Paul, I see through a glass darkly when it comes to this. I truly don't understand fully. Not fully. And it's been an eye-opening process for me. Um, I've been humbled because I have to admit, I've had, when I look back over my life, I do have a tendency to see people who are either black or indigenous or people of color, to see them in a different light. There is actually this, there's something within in me that I walk in this area of white privilege. And for me, I, I, I'm starting to get it. But it comes through listening. And I'm learning to see. And again, it's this whole thing of humility. And, and I've discovered too as well, i got a long way to grow in humility. long way to go. And that's okay. That's okay because I'm joining God in on this work and letting God transform me. One of the areas where I have grown in this whole area of racism, uh, as I've said, I've read a number of books. But I stumbled on this one book, and I picked, it, I picked it because of the title, didn't know the author, but the author's name was James Cone. Didn't even know who he was, but as I got reading in, that, in, the, fir, in the first book I was reading of his, discovered, oh, this guy is a Ph.D. theologian, Christian theologian. Um, now born 1928, he died two, two or three years ago. And uh, his writing was just brilliant. And the book I, I had read, was it's called The Cross and the Lynching Tree. And what I learned from this, the, one, the one, many things, but the one thing that just was glaring was that for black people, when they read about the cross, for them they go, gosh, that's a lynching tree, man. What, what are my ancestors? What some of my relatives, some of my family suffered? In the Jim Crow era, right? And that was like eye-opening for me. I never looked at the cross that way. But that's how they see it. I'm reading another book of his right now. And in there, which, which really impacted me, he mentioned that for, the, for black Christians, um, prominent verse in, in, in Scripture is one of our prominent verses, which is Jesus' quote in Luke 4, 18 and 19. Jesus quotes from Isaiah 61 and said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me and has anointed me what to preach good news to the poor, right? To heal the blind, to set prisoners free, to release the captives, Right? And they go, wow, because in black theology, the whole what they see is the whole theme of scripture is God is for the oppressed, whatever that oppression looks like. God is against the the people who do the oppression. Who oppressed the people? And they point out oh, that's a major story of the Old Testament, the Exodus, right? God's people were oppressed, and it's this, it's this huge thing that has taken place. And so they see all this overarching of Scripture as being God releasing us, God releasing the oppressed. And so when they read Jesus, you know, mission manifesto, so to speak, when he quotes Isaiah, they see. That like Jesus is come for them to release them. That's why they sing about freedom, that someday they will be free. That's, that's why they do that. And it was like, wow. And James, I would say, calls out the white theologians and white pastors and asks the question, when you've read that, when you've preached on it, have you, did you have the black person in mind? That stopped me dead in my tracks as I raced through my mind trying to think, have I ever considered the black person in that? The people of color, have I ever? Indigenous people in our country. I can't, I can't think of a time I did. All that was was eye-opening for me to realize I don't see everything clearly. I don't, and I want to learn. And all this has done for me is I've gone, God, I love what you're doing just open up my eyes more so I can see. And I realize, and I was talking with one of our elders this week and I was, I was sharing this with him and he said, oh, I think, isn't that called the imposter syndrome? Do you feel like, like, like you're an imposter standing up there sometimes? I said, yeah, sometimes I do. I was <laughs> like, speaking like I know things and really I, there's so little I do know about God and so much I have to learn so much I have to learn but I know because God is wanting to transform in me God's working in me I'm leaning into that and I'm going God show me show me show me in all areas of my life show me <laughs> like I am an open book to you like what else can I be right I come as I am but I know you'll transform I know you you do a wonderful work in us look for the first thing step 1 i 'm there I know i don 't know i, I don 't know anything I, I know some things, but there 's so much more I have to know step two dying i 'm trying, and i 'm asking God every day, please help me die today, please, and step three, I know God is working on my mind and I know God is transforming, so i 'm going to lean in I want to learn, and I want to take us with us in that journey through you know forever. We're just going to continually. That's what we want. That's why we look at the Word. That's why we ask God, Holy Spirit, come and speak to us. So look, if you're a follower of Jesus, following Jesus is an act of faith. We lean in. We lean in. And Paul calls us to to give everything, to lay it down, to die to ourselves, and to let God begin the transformation work. And by the way, God is already working in you. God is just asking you, will you join him in this? And hey, if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're just tuning in just to check out what it is we talk about, I'm glad you checked out, checking us out. That's so good. Uh, We've fallen in love with Jesus. Jesus longs to have this intimate relationship with us, and there's nothing like it in the world. And so we are learning. Our, Our faith is in Jesus, and You'll never go wrong in following Jesus. Don't, don't get tripped up by what you see going on in churches and stuff like that. That's, that's, we are learning along the way. We are learning. We are learning. We don't always get it right. We don't die easy. We're just like everybody else. It, it's, it takes us a while to die to ourselves. But we know that Jesus has the words to life and that's what we want. We know that we're loved by Jesus. We've encountered that love. And my prayer for you if you don't know Jesus is that all you need to do, all you need to know is this. God loves you already. And God has you're forgiven through Jesus Christ. And all God asks you to do is to receive the love. Just go, I receive it. You turn to God and you say, "Yes, I receive." I want what you want, what you have for me, God. And you begin to follow Jesus and you join with others because we need each other to counterbalance things because we can get stuck in our own heads and in our own way of thinking. And we all need help along the way. So Father, I just ask that you would come and Lord, teach us how how to die to ourselves. (laughs) We need lessons in that. And we just ask you, Lord, to show us. And we say, Father, I pray for those who are listening, those who are watching, that, Lord, that I I pray their challenge today to go away and think about how to die, how to do that, how, how to be alive to you, Lord, in their lives. And so, Father, Holy Spirit, we just ask you to come, come and minister. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you. Have a great day.